Ellie. Oh. Brooksville Bike Club, Volume 4, Chapter 6. Ellie Rosenberg's head was spinning. When Tanta Adasa had told him to help out in Miller Drugstore, he had expected it to be an easy job. He had imagined himself sitting and answering a few phone calls. This job was not easy at all. The phone seemed to ring every 10 seconds. Not only that, but when he wasn't answering the phone, Mr. Miller had him scurrying around the store looking for various items that people had ordered. As he stuffed a bottle of cough medicine into a delivery bag, he turned to the large plastic Whittleman hand cream snowman. Boy, he told him, I don't know how you guys work here. It's so busy. Then again, I guess you don't know it actually do very much, do matter how busy it gets. Then again, I must be going crazy. Why else would I be talking to a plastic snowman? Suddenly, Mr. Miller came running to the front of the store. Quickly cried, get your coat on. We've got to stop whatever we're doing and make an emergency delivery. Ellie jumped off his chair so fast he almost knocked over two of the snowmen. Sorry, guys, he whispered as he reached for his coat. Mr. Miller nervously handed Ellie a small shopping bag. Here, take this back to 64 Elm Street right away. I just called my nephew Getzel, and now he's on his way to take your place on the phone. Just get over that address as fast as you can. Ellie grabbed the bag, zipped on his winter coat, waved to the uh, Whittleman snowman, and ran out the door. As he worked his way through this deep snow, Ellie felt his stomach grumble. He was hungry. Very hungry. Deep down inside, Ellie also started feeling a little angry. Hmm, he thought. Avrumi, Moshe, and Avi totally forgot about me. They left me all alone in that crazy drugstore while they ran out to have fun. I thought they would at least try to bring me some food, maybe a slice of pizza or something. But no, not old Ellie Rosenberg. He doesn't need lunch. Who cares about him? Ellie had almost reached his destination. He would have continued feeling sorry for himself for the rest of the way there, but his thoughts were interrupted by a yell. Hey, Ellie! cried a familiar voice from across the street. I looked up and saw. Who did you see? Avrumi Avin Moishi, frantically waving at him. Just beside the boys, he noticed three huge animals. Look out! Ellie screamed. There are three bears behind you. The boys looked at David Finn's three dogs and laughed and then waved at Ellie again. These aren't bears, they yelled across the street. These are dogs. All right, said Ellie, laughing nervously. They stared to cross over to join them. Just dogs. <laughs> of course, there's nothing to be scared of. What should you be scared of just because they are about to be eaten by three dogs the size of trucks? Avi, Rumi, and Moshi burst out laughing. Ellie couldn't figure out what was going on. Why weren't his friends afraid of these gigantic, ferocious-looking animals? Don't worry, Avi called out. These are friendly dogs. They belong to Officer Jackson's friend. His name is David Finn. Avi pointed to the tall man standing next to him. Now, Ellie really thought his friends had gone crazy. Standing next to them was the biggest, scariest-looking man he had ever seen. They must have lost their marbles. Ellie thought to himself, probably too much snow leaked. Probably too much snow leaked into their brains. It's the expression, mind marble. Are you guys feeling okay? Ellie said to them. Look what we have, Avi waved toward the sled. Ellie saw a pile of six pizza piles sitting on the sled next to Rumi. 
We thought you might be hungry, Avrumi said, so we brought you some pizza. Eli stared at the pile of pizzas. Wow, he said to himself, I am really hungry, but six pies? <laughs> Boy, he said out loud, I have the most special, wonderful friends in the world. I need lunch, and they slept six pizza pies through the snow for me. <laughs> Eli was so hungry, he didn't even care about the giant man and his dogs. He quickly reached for a pizza box. Uh-uh, cried Moish. These are not for you. They're not? No, these are for the Sium. Assume, cried Ellie. They are very nice, but didn't you guys bring me any lunch? <laughs> Avrumi reached down and untied the bag hanging from his left, from his belt. Here you go, he handed the bag to Ellie. Ellie hungrily opened the bag and reached inside. His face fell as he pulled out what was left of his pizza, a cold, twisted lump of cheese, sauce, and crust. Avrumi felt terrible. I'm so sorry, Ellie, he said. I guess I should have found a better way to carry your pizza. Ellie examined what was left of his pizza. It's okay, I guess. I'm not as hungry as I thought I was. Ellie stuffed the pizza back into the bag with a mournful look at his face. Ahem, Ellie. Avi clearly started to get Ellie's attention. I'd like to introduce you to our new friend, David Finn. Ellie tore his eyes away from the pizza bag in his hand and looked up at the tall, wide-looking man. David smiled down at Ellie and stuck out a huge hand. Nice to meet you, Ellie. Ellie swallowed hard and began to tremble. Uh, gulp, er, nice to uh, meet you, Mr. Giant, sir. You can call me David, said the giant, his eyes dancing. Ellie's knees were shaking. Yes, sir, Mr. Giant, sir, whatever you say. Avi put his hand on Ellie's shoulder. David and his dogs were nice enough to give us and these pizza pies a lift to the sim. Oh, yes, said Ellie, snapping out of this, of, of this shock. Who sim are you going to anyway? We're not really sure. All we know is that Heshi from the pizza shop said that Rabbi Wexter ordered these pies for a seum. Moish turned to Ellie. By the way, Ellie, what are you doing here? Aren't you supposed to be helping Mr. Millen in a drugstore? Ellie held up the bag in his hand. Mr. Millen needed me to deliver this right away. He said it was an emergency. His nephew Getzel is taking over from me at the store. What address are you bringing it to? that to? Asked the roomie. Ellie looked down at the address printed on the bag. 64 Elm Street, he read off the package. What, cried Avi? 64 Elm Street? That's exactly where we're going. Ellie scratched his head. Do you mean to tell me that I'm delivering medicine to a seum? What kind of a seum needs an emergency delivery from the drugstore? Asked Rumi. Why don't we ring the front doorbell and find out, suggested Avi. The boys gathered up the pizza boxes and turned to say goodbye to David Finn. Well, Avi spoke to them all. Goodbye, Mr. Finn. It was nice meeting you. Thank you for all your help. We really appreciate you getting the pizzas here for us. Oh, shucks, David Finn answered sheepishly. Uh, it was nothing. Besides, it was at least uh, the least I could offer, um, the least I could do after my dogs knocked you down and ruined your pizzas. The boys all waved goodbye to the giant man and turned toward the Wexler's house. Avi glanced back and noticed David still standing and looking after them. Is everything okay, Mr. Finn? He called the back. Well, would you mind, uh, do you think, uh, would it be okay if I could just come in with you for a minute? I've never seen, uh, see him before. And I'm curious to see, I'm curious to see what it's all about. <clears throat> the boys all turned to Avi. Avi. And Avi shrugged his shoulders. I guess it would be okay, he answered. Oh, thank you so much, David. Tied his dogs up at the front gate and ordered them to stay still. Then he followed them up to the path of the house. 
Avi was puzzled. Why would this gigantic man want to see us see him? Oh, well, he thought to himself, I guess it won't hurt anyone if he comes along. Together, they climbed the front steps of 64 Elm Street. There seemed to be a lot of noise coming from inside. Avi had a, had, Avi had a bad feeling about this. Something about the seam was making him nervous. He took a deep breath and rang the front doorbell. Yes, yes, I'm coming, I'm coming. A tired voice answered from inside. The door swung open and Robert Wexler greeted them. But it wasn't the Robert Wexler they used to be seeing. Robert Wexler was always dressed very neatly with a starched white shirt and a straight tie. Today looked rumpled and nervous. His shirt was slightly untucked and his tie was thrown over his shoulder. <clears throat> can, uh, can I help you? He asked. Hello, Robert Wexler. Avi stepped forward. We are the Brooksville Black Club and we are here to bring you some pizzas for your seum. Oh, Baruch Hashem, you're here, he cried. I'm so happy you were able to make it in this weather. We're glad to be able to help you with this, Moshe told him. Which Masechta did you finish learning, Robert Wexler? Oh, Robert Wexler chuckled. I didn't finish learning anything. Then who's making the seum? asked Moshe. Robert Wexler motioned to them to follow. Come with me, I'll show you. The closer they got to the dining room, the louder the noise got. The boy saw Robert Wexler put his hands over his ears. They decided to do the same. When they finally reached the end of the long hall and came to the dining room, the boys were almost afraid to find out what was going on. In their minds, nothing good could possibly be making such an incredibly annoying racket. When they turned the corner into the dining room, they all froze in horror. You see, Robert Baxter yelled over the noise. My grandson, Naftali, is making a seum and is finishing learning how to read the letters of the Aleph base. Avi couldn't believe his eyes. Robert Wexler's grandson, Naftali, had his entire class over for the seum. Twenty-two boys, including Avi's own brother, Shmuley, were sitting, standing, and climbing over under and around Robert Wexler's huge dining room table. Oh, one boy was even hanging from the chandelier. The noise they were making was deafening. The pizza is here, Robert Wexler shouted. Nobody heard him. Robert Wexler pointed to Avi, Avrumi, Ellie, and Moshe and shouted, the pizza is here. And the medicine from Miller's drugstore added Ellie, holding up his bag. Robert Wexler asked lead up. Did you say you have a bag from Dr. from Miller's drugstore? Ellie handed the white paper back to Robert Wexler. Yes, Robert Wexler, here it is. Robert Wexler tore open the bag eagerly. My brother-in-law is Marty Miller from Miller's drugstore. I told him that he must get me these right away. It was an emergency. Robert Wexler grinned from ear to ear as he pulled two very small orange plastic pieces out of the bag. He held them up for the boys to see. Earplugs, he shouted. Exactly what I needed for this occasion. Gila, what was inside the, the bag? Medicine? What? Earplugs. Robert Wexler quickly popped the earplugs into his ears and gave a loud sigh of relief. Ah, oh, that's more like it. Now we can start our seum. Suddenly, Moshe remembered David Finn. Where had he gone? He hadn't followed them into the dining room. Say, Avi, what happened to David Finn? Avi motioned the room and looked back down the hall for their giant friend. He wasn't a person who could easily miss. Avi walked back to the front door to see if he was still there. Sure enough, David was just inside the door waiting all by himself. Mr. Finn, Avi said, why don't you come inside with us? David looked down at the floor. Gosh, she said sheepishly, no one invited you to come in. <clears throat> Avi grabbed David by the sleeve. Of course you're invited. Come on in, Mr. Finn. Avi led, Avi led David back to the tumultuous dining room. They walked in to find a poor rabbi waxer trying to convince a little boy to come down from the chandelier. 
The noise in the room seemed even louder than before. Robert Wexler finally got the boy down, placed him in a chair, and made an attempt to quiet the crowd, but no one paid attention. Poor Robert Wexler turned back to the members of the Berkshire Black Club. It's no use, he sighed. With all my with all my years experience in teaching, I can't get this group quiet for one. Robert Wexler caught a sight of David Finn and froze in mid-sentence. He stared up in surprise at the giant in his living room. Uh, who, uh, who are you? My name is David Finn, answered the man. Robert Wexler looked close at David, scanning his face and making his red beard and ponytail. Then he closed his eyes and stood there deep in thought. David Finn, he said, rubbing his forehead. David Finn? The boys got nervous. What was going on? Why was Robert Wexler looking to us upset and repeating David Finn's number over and over? May, may name. Over and over. Maybe they shouldn't have bought, brought David with, in with them. Maybe they should have asked permission first. Suddenly, Robert Wexler's eyes popped wide open. He broke into a big, sunny smile. Duvido? Duvido Feingold? Can it be really you? Huh? Came the collective gasp of four stunned Brixville bike boys. Robbie Wexter knew David Finn? Why on earth was he calling him Duvido? Was Robert Wexter going crazy from all the noise at the CM? But there were more surprises in store for them. The boys heard a quiet sob escape David's lips and his eyes turned glassy with tears. Rebby, he exclaimed, throwing his arms wide open. The elderly rabbi and the giant red-haired man embraced warmly. Rebbe? Avi, Rebbe? Avi motioned the room and Ellie repeated their eyes as big as beach balls. Rabbi Wexler left one arm around David and turned to face the boys. Yes, answered Rabbi Wexler. Doobidal here was in my first grade class many years ago. I never forgot a Talmud. <clears throat> the boys turned wide eyes to the wild-looking giant. Duvidal, they cried in disbelief. Tell me, Duvidal, said Robert Wexler softly. What happened to you after first grade? Before David could answer him, their the conversation was interrupted by a loud crash. Robert Wexler's china closet, it had been hit with a flying salt shaker and everything inside was shaking and falling over. The room became quiet, but only for about 10 seconds. Then the boys all began to laugh and play again. The noise grew even louder than it had ever before. Poor Robert Wexler tried once again to get the crowd's attention, but it was of no use. Strangely, David Finn seemed to just know what to do. He pulled over a chair and stood on it. The little boys froze in shock. David Finn was big, but on a chair he was even bigger. Before they had a chance to start making more noise, David grabbed a stack of thick paper plates and threw a bunch of them up into the air. No one made a sound as the giant man nimbly juggled Five plates at a time. Still juggling, David stepped off the chair and walked over to Robert Wexler. He threw the plates up high and caught all five behind the back. Everyone in the room began to clap wildly. Would you like to see some more tricks? David asked the newly quiet crowd. Yes! screamed all the little boys at once. Good, David told them. If you would listen nicely to Robert Wexler, I'll be happy to do some more juggling when it's finished speaking. Oh, Robert Wexler seemed rather stunned, but he quickly recovered himself and addressed their boys. Uh, <clears throat> yes, said Robert Wexler. As you all know, we are gathered here today 
In honor of my grandson, Naftali is finishing learning the sounds of the letters of the Aleph base with the Nikudas. Naftali beamed with pride as his grandpa took out an Aleph base chart and placed it in before him. Naftali began to read Aleph with an A is A, base with an A is Ba. The crowd of boys stayed unusually quiet as Naftali read. Rabbi Wexler was quite proud of his grandson, and Avi, Moshe, Rami, and Eli enjoyed watching him. Shep Nachas from Naftali. At the same time, 21 little pairs of eyes were glued to Duvidel Feingold, who was listening with rapt attention to Naftali read as a river of tears poured out of his tears. David grabbed a napkin off of the table, wiped the tears off his face, and blew, out, blew his nose loudly. Honk! This is just so beautiful, he sobbed. I remember learning to read those letters when I was a little boy. By the time Naftali finished reading, no one could beat the huge smile on David. Dubidol Feingold's face. I love Sihims, he roared. The giant man grabbed one of the large dining room chairs and began to balance it on one finger of his right hand. Whoa, gasped everyone in the room. Then Dovid picked up another chair and balanced it on the finger of his left hand. Ah, came. Come on, Avi, start the song, David called out. Avi was taken by surprise. He had been completely focused on David's tricks. Now he was being asked to sing? <laughs> he turned to Moish. Moish shrugged his shoulders and looked to Avrami and Ellie. They shrugged their shoulders too. Come on, Avi. Come on, Avi, called the giant. Start the song. Avi nervously cleared his throat and sang the only song that he fit. Simantavu, Mazatov, it didn't take long before the whole room erupted in loud singing clapping. David began to dance on one foot in time to the music, still balancing two chairs in the air. Every face in the room had a huge smile on it, but Robert Wexler's smile was the biggest of all. Suddenly he grabbed Avi's hand. Avi grabbed his motion. All the little boys joined hands and began dancing in a huge circle around David Finn. Simantov, Mazatov, Mazatov. David was so excited. He put the chairs down, climbed on one of them, and stood on his head, filling one arm for <clears throat> freeing one arm for just a moment. He grabbed another chair and threw it up where his feet were. He began to kick the chair up and down with his feet, moving in time to the music. The crowd of five-year-olds went wild clapping, and the singing grew louder than before. After a few minutes, David got down from the chair, and the members of the Brooks Lockhart were able to settle all the kids around the table and serve them pizza. As the little boys ate, Robert Wexler, Avi Moshe, Rumi, and Ellie surrounded David Finn. It was obvious he had a story to tell, and no one wanted to miss a word. Robert Wexler put his hand on David's shoulder. So tell us, Davidel, where have you been? Where have you been since first grade? Where has life taken you? Yeah, added Moshe, and where did you learn to do all these terrific juggling tricks? The big man turned to, to face Robert Wexler. You see, Rabbi, he began, when I was in your class, life was a bit confusing for me. My parents sent me to Brooksville because they thought it was a good school. 
Unfortunately, my parents themselves weren't really religious. I was learning about Shabbos in school, but Shabbos wasn't really being kept in my house. Each day I would come home from your class very excited about the things that I had learned. I wanted my family to start doing the things we were talking about in Shiva. My parents weren't, weren't ready to do that. <clears throat> as soon as that year was over, we moved away. Far away. I didn't get a chance to go to a Jewish school again. My father got a job working for a circus, and I went to public school. Oh, poor Dovidel, sighed Rabbi Wexler. Yes, Rabbi, he continued. At first, I missed my old life, the yeshiva and my old friends. But soon, I became very interested in the circus and my father worked for, that my father worked for. And I spent every free minute there. I became very close to some of the clowns and they taught me how to juggle. I wasn't a very good student in school, but in circus, tent was a star. As soon as I finished high school, I became a full-time clown. I would juggle while doing all kinds of stunts in my motorcycle. For, three, for the last 20 years, I have been traveling around the country doing my act. So what brought you back to Burksville? asked Robert Wexler. <clears throat> David Finn's eyes filled with tears. It was you, Rabbi, he said simply. All those years of traveling around the, cra- the crowds, the stunts, they were okay. But I knew I wasn't really happy. The happiest in my life, happiest time in my life was when I was in your class learning. Or... Um, Robert Wexler's eyes widened. He didn't know what to say. Wow, whispered Ali. David blew his nose mightily and continued the story. I drove into town yesterday. I didn't know what to do when I got here. I wasn't sure you would want me to see me. Then, well, I must have been... Uh, it must have been from Hashem. He sent these wonderful boys to lead me to, of all places, my rabbi's house. What a miracle. Robert Wexler and David looked at each other, and both cried tears of joy. The elderly rabbi had found his Talmud, and the old Talmud had come home and found his rabbi. Ali Moshe of Rumi and Ali looked this way and that, trying to hide their tears that were forming in their eyes too. The dramatic scene was interrupted by the ringing of the doorbell. I'll get it, Zaidi said little Naftali, running to the front of the house. Seconds later, a familiar figure entered the room. It was Tzvi. Oi, cried Rabbi Waxer. I don't believe it. Do you see Naftali? For your special serum, even the chassan came out in a snowstorm. Tzvi was grinning from ear to ear. Not just the chassan, he laughed. Look behind you. Everyone turned around to see a happy young lady coming into the room, taking her place beside Tzvi. The color too, cried Robert Wexler. Wow, what a treat. Avi signaled to motion and they joined hands. They grabbed of Rumi, Ali and David, and began to dance around the happy chassan and kala. Simantov, Mazatov, Mazatov. Within seconds, all the little boys joined in the circle along with Robert Wexter. Round and round the Chasan and Kala, the boys danced happily. Tzvi and the Kala sat down two chairs in the middle of the dancers and enjoyed watching the happy faces dancing around them. The dancers finally tired out. Robert Wexter introduced Tzvi to David Finn. The two men smiled at each other and shook hands. You know, Tzvi, said Robert Wexter, I think I found a good shiruch for you. A shidduch? cried Svi. What do you mean, Robert Wexler? I just found my color. The shidduch was already made. No, no, laughed the elderly rabbi. Not that type of a shidduch. Oh, then what kind of a shidduch did you mean? Well, said Robert Wexler, I happen to know that you've been looking for a chavrusa to learn with in the mornings. I would like to propose a Torah learning shidduch. I think it would be an excellent idea for you and Dovidel here to learn Torah together every day. 
the idea was a surprise to both of them. Tzvi looked at David quizzically. Was he really looking for a chavrusa? Me, cried a shocked David. Do you really think that someone like me could actually learn Torah every day? It's been so long since I've learned to- any Torah at all. David turned to Tzvi. Do you think he could? Would you do that? He asked with a choked voice. Do you really have the time to learn Torah with a giant clown? Tzvi looked at, at his color. She smiled and winked at him. Tzvi walked over and put his arm around David. It would be my honor and privilege to learn Torah with you, David. Mazel tov, shalom, Rabbi Waxter. We have another shiruch. That was signal for everyone in the room to break out in more joyous song and lively dancing. Simantov, Mazatov, Mazatov, Simantov.